Hey guys, you're listening to the Tasha Labs podcast, and today I want to talk about two things. First of all, I want to talk about this valuation model that I recently put out about how to value blockchain platforms, and I also want to talk about the impact of token supply increase and decrease on valuation on prices of、um, of platforms of of tokenized platforms. So these are related to the two articles that I put out recently, and I'm going to answer some questions about these today as well. Okay. So first of all, so I recently put out this model、um, using the data from twelve large blockchain platforms to look at how. Adoption and usage level is impacting the valuations of blockchains. So the idea is very simple. If you think about in any given point in time, what is actually determining the price of a blockchain's native tokens? Because by a blockchain's native token, what I mean is the token that is used to pay transaction fees on a blockchain platform that is publicly accessible. Permissionless and people can build stuff on top. Okay, so that is the type of setting. So you can think of it actually not just apply to blockchains; it can apply to any tokenized platform that has this kind of potential network effect built in. Okay, so if you look at it, like if you think about it, any given point in time, what is determining the valuation or the market cap of this of the entire you know、um, token supply? Of of a platform, I think there there are three main factors. One is adoption and usage of the blockchain itself, and second is what I call the platform moat. So basically, you know how how secure and how、uh, lasting investors perceive this chain, this platform to be. How long do people think it's going to be around? So that's going to like affect people's risk assessment, right? So. If a chain is perceived as having a large moat, like Bitcoin is perceived as the digital gold, right? So, at this point, it's already been around for, you know, since two thousand eight. Um, so it it has it has this intangible moat that is very hard to topple, right? So if you want to be another kind of, uh, um. If you make a copy of Bitcoin, and obviously people have done that multiple times, it's not going to have the same kind of、uh, um, valuation because people, you know, the、um, because the users and and the believer believers are on the original chain, right? So each each platform will have a different level of moat that is going to affect how investors value the risk of the of the.、Um, Of the asset, so if you if you think about it in like in the traditional you know asset pricing kind of mentality or, or perspective, if it's if an asset is perceived as more quote unquote risky, then investors gonna、um, require a higher perceived higher expected return in the future in order to invest in it, right? So、um, that is going to have an impact on price. So that's the second factor, and the third factor is the total crypto market conditions. Because you know, like it or not,、um, all the tokenized assets is a very small, very small pond at this point. So everything pretty much moved together. There's, 
relatively very little like sector differentiation, or you know, no matter how you slice dice the whole pie of of digital assets. So even if you think that this project is so special and unique and totally different from everything else, as long as it's traded on the same market, right? So it's, 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 as long as it's traded on Coinbase, on Kraken, on Binance and whatnot, it's gonna be affected by the same kind of, you know, liquidity conditions and same set of investors, risk aversion levels and so on and so forth, right? So crypto market conditions is going to have a huge effect on any valuation of, of any blockchain platforms. And so that is, that's more in the short term, but in the long term also, the, the entire, so crypto market cap, it's like a kind of a proxy for, if you look at it from a more long-term perspective, it's a proxy for of a um, adoption level of digital assets in general, right? So the more adoption, the more broad-based the digital asset adoption is, the more liquidity you're gonna have in the market, the more potential buyers you have in the market, the more kind of the easier for a platform to be discovered by, basically this is this is a proxy for the underlying audience base, how big a audience digital assets as a whole have, right? So that is what the total crypto market cap would actually capture in the short term is cap capturing, you know, investors risk aversion is capturing market liquidity level is in the short term. In the long term, like if you look at step back, and uh, you know, a step one step make make one step back, it actually measures the, um, you know, adoption level of digital assets, the audience base, the potential buyer base, if you will, of digital assets as a whole. So if you put these things together, all right, then we can construct a empirical model to actually, you know, look at how these three things affect valuations, affect market cap of different blockchains. So, so that's what I did. I used the data, you know, uh, mostly from Artemis. Um, they, they, they did a lot of work to put these, uh, to put different blockchains, uh, you know, transaction numbers and uh, active user num numbers together, put them together in the long time series. So um, make my job so much easier to actually be able to do this. So um, if you, I mean, this is uh, basically what's called a um, panel regression model with fixed effect, if that's the kind of thing that you care about, but I assume most people don't. <laughs> But in any case, you just like, uh, um, you, you can just think of uh, a chain's valuation as a function of uh, chain's adoption level, which is proxied by active addresses numbers or transaction count, daily transaction numbers. Okay. And uh, um, also a function of total crypto market cap and a function of the platform specific markup, um, if you will. That is the that is one number that I use to measure the platform level mode that is different for different blockchains. So, so basically that is, you know, this model models the blockchain's valuation as a function of these three things. So um, how is this useful for investment, right? So uh, the most uh, obvious use case, if you have a model like this, you will have at any given point in time, if you have 
if you know, you know, this chain today has, I don't know, 5,000, uh, 500K transactions, daily transactions. And crypto market cap, total crypto market cap is, I don't know, $800 billion. And you know the chain specific markup is, and then you can, from that, those data, you can deduce a predicted market cap according to the model once you estimate the model, right? So you can have a predicted market cap of that particular platform. Then you can compare it with the actual market cap currently, then that will give you a measure of whether this platform right now is undervalued, so to speak, or overvalued relative to its peers, right? So. Uh, that is the immediate use case. You can you can think of um, you know how to use a model like this. So so I ran the regression, and uh, again I this is based on data for twelve blockchains, right? So but in the future I'm gonna um, have a tool online tool for people to plug in the you know adoption and usage numbers of any blockchain they want, and they can get a predicted market cap out of that particular platform. So I'm looking to have this deployed maybe around the time of the new year. I hopefully, right, I'm working on it right now. So um, so, um, so the result shows that, uh, so among the 12 blockchains that I looked at, right, so the ones that are shown as overvalued, so to speak, meaning the current valuation, the current market cap of the token is greater than the predicted market cap at this moment. Those are Polygon, Ethereum, BSC, and Flow. Okay. And the undervalued ones, meaning, because these are quite loaded words, so I'm kind of like hesitating to use these overvalued, undervalued, these words, I'll tell you why in a bit. But let's just say, I'll I just tell you, like right now, according to the model, undervalued chains, undervalued tokens are near XRP, Avalanche, and Bitcoin. Okay. So, and the rest of them, the rest of the 12, what I have in the model, Optimism, Aptos, Algorand, Solana, they are kind of fall within, I would say the difference between the predicted and the actual market cap right now is less than 10% across like whether you use transaction count or use active address to 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 um, model adoption. So I consider these more or less aligned with uh, with so basically I consider those um, you know um, as the current value more or less more or less aligned with, with the model prediction. So why why do I hesitate to use these overvalue undervalued overvaluation and undervaluation word? Because you know, on one hand, it's very easy, it's convenient because people know what these words are and most people think they know what they mean, <laughs> okay? Though I, I don't think most people actually, if you have a second thought about these, it's, the meaning is actually quite tricky, but you know, most people, they, they think they understand what overvaluation or undervaluation means. So wh why, why I think these can be tricky or these can be, in some cases, even misleading because I don't, it's, it, you know, the financial market, you have a liquid market for uh, whether it's stocks or the bonds and tokens, it's basically a, in the end of the day, what's determining the 
price is supply and demand. Okay. You can come up with any kind of <laughs> model you want. You can say, okay, this stock, according to its future growth prospect, according to its profitability level, it should be $5 instead of $1. But if the market says it's $1 today, then it's $1, okay? So um, there is a, so, so to say something is overvalued or undervalued, it's implying that there is some, there is somewhere Somehow, there is a neutral and objective truth <laughs> about how much this thing is supposed to be worth. Which, you know, I, I just don't really buy into this concept. Okay. So, um, but for the lack of better words, <laughs> this is what I use, you know, when, when the, um, when the um, actual market cap is above the predicted model predictive value, I, you know, I call them overvalued for now. So, but what it really measures, what the, what the model really telling you is that predicted value is how much investors would have been willing to pay for the thing given historical, historically, okay? If we look at historical patterns, how much investors would have been willing to pay for the thing given the current adoption level, you know, being whatever level it is and given the current market conditions. So that's what it is. Okay. So it's not to say, oh, this is a objective truth because keep in mind, it's, for example, the model has taken into account the current crypto market conditions, which is hugely important by the way. So if the crypto market um, today is worth $3 trillion, which is at some point in 2021, right? Then the valuations for, for, for each, um, each and every single platform gonna be very different, gonna be much higher, right? So, um, but that's the, so, so that's the, in the nutshell, that's the result. But again, this is, you can, you can think of the same model as applying to any tokenized platform that use some sort of transaction fee model, meaning people, users have to hold a certain amount of this token, this platform's native token to use for, in order to, in order to be active on the platform. It can be used for transaction fees. That's the most common model. That's why I say, you know, it can be used for any tokenized platform that use a native token to pay transaction fees, but it doesn't actually have to be that, right? As long as that native token is involved in the activity of the users on the platform, as long as you need that token to you to be used for something, then there is, there should be a me mechanical relationship, positive, relationship between the adoption level, between the number of users and number of activities on the platform and the value of the tokens. And the reason is very simple because you think of, um, why do, why, why, why do fiat currencies, why do fiat money have value, right? So I live in the United States. Now, nowadays people don't use cash as much, but you still have checking account, right? You have like a debit card which is uh, if you pay using your debit card, you're drawing from your checking account and your checking account balance better be positive. Otherwise you cannot pay for things, right? So you have a daily transaction need, therefore you need to have 
quote unquote money in your wallet. So whether it's, I can have, maybe I need like a $20 bill in my wallet so that just in case I, today I go out and get some groceries, I won't come back empty handed, right? Because I need that liquid, uh, liquid balance in my account, whether it's a, a physical balance or it's somewhere in my bank account in order to pay for things. So, so in this economy, because this token or this money is used to pay for stuff, the more participants this economy has, the demand for that token just, you know, mechanically increase. The same thing with the blockchain, right? So if you have a blockchain that has a native token that you need to use that token to pay for transaction fees, then you need to have some amount of that token in your wallet, right? So, um, of course you can, every time it's possible that you have zero balance of that token in your wallet. And every time you have to do an activity on chain, you go to an exchange and buy that token, buy some token and then pay for the transaction fee. But if you are really an active user, that's kind of not very practical, right? So if you actually use Ethereum or you use Solana or any other blockchains, you have a balance, a liquid balance in your wallet to pay for stuff. If you, that is if you're using the chain, right? If you don't, if you're not an active user, then if you're just speculating on the token itself, that's a different case. But mechanically, the more users and more activities this blockchain has, it increases, mechanically increases demand for that token, other things equal, okay? So this is a very, again, very mechanical relationship. There's nothing to do, it has nothing to do with speculations or um, expectations of future prices. It has nothing to do with the cash flow, how much money this, this, this chain is pulling in today. So I'm gonna talk about that, okay? How, how, how is this kind of valuation model different from the cash flow based model? Because there's some questions that people have on that. So let's look at some questions. Okay. So first question from Novato Eve. Mind boggling that you cover Aptos and not ICP. Okay, okay, so, um, and there are actually a lot of these similar questions. KC Doherty, could you post for DOT and ADA? So again, I use the data to run a model with 12 blockchains. Why do I use these 12, 12 blockchains? Because that is the data that I have handy. <laughs> That's the data I have readily available. Okay, so, um, <laughs> But it's the same kind of model. It can apply to all the other platforms that has a similar kind of mechanism. Again, I'm gonna have this uh, tool ready that you can plug in the data. If you, if you know the actual adoption level, the active users and transaction level, level of a blockchain, you can plug in a number and you, you can see the um, expected uh, predicted valuation for the chain yourself. But I only posted these 12 because that's the database. Okay. So I don't have any bias against any of, any of these chains, chains. And also it's not because I'm favoring these 12, it's just because data is, I can easily get the data on these, okay? That's all. Um, from next one from Sam, what, it, what is the predicted market cap and how is it calculated? Oh, I just explained it, <laughs> okay? I'm not sure this, did, did this person actually read the article or not? Um, no idea. <laughs> Next one from Anna's Akkad. I think fees paid 
IE revenues is a better metric to use over active users. Yeah, so this is what I mentioned, what I chose to talk about, right? So people, I know there are some people, they like to think of the token valuations as some kind of, you know, discounted present values of for transaction fees that this platform will have. Okay, so this is a kind of perspective that uh, people traditionally use, especially the quote unquote value investors we use for to value um, equities, right? Because historically, when you're a shareholder of the company, uh, what, what do you actually own? You're supposed to own the, all the future cash flow of the company, right? So then people deduce that, okay, so then the market cap of uh, all the shares of the company should be the discounted cash flows of basically how much money um, this, uh, this company can earn in all, uh, in, uh, into the infinite future, right? So, but, but the, problem, the problem of that in applying to um, Web3 platforms like blockchains is, the, okay, there, there are a couple of things, okay? First of all, the token holders are not shareholders, okay? So I use Ethereum blockchain and I have some, I use, therefore I need Ether to pay for transactions. So I have some Ether in my wallet. Am I a shareholder of the Ethereum? No, okay? So um, you can argue, okay, so, but if, what if the blockchain has some kind of model where it collects transaction fees and then it uses that transaction fees to give like a staking rewards to stakers. So you can maybe stakers are kind of semi similar to a token to shareholders in the traditional equity sense. You could think of it that way. So again, I'm not, I'm not like totally rejecting this kind of fee model. Okay. But I'm just telling you, it's I it's I think it's very very limiting if you consider the blockchain platform's native tokens as some kind of equity. In the most cases, for most people to most users, they are not. Okay, instead of equities, well, they have some kind of equity component, especially if you are doing some kind of proof of stake staking or some kind of other type of uh, uh, incentive programs that is. Uh, the uh, platform specific, but I would uh, much prefer to think of it as some kind of network effect driven. That's because that is uh, fundamentally what's driving the demand. Okay. Aside speculations aside, the fundamental drivers of the demand is because people, if when you actively use the chain, actively use the platform, you need to have some amount of that token. You need to hold some amount of token, and that is a very realistic and fundamental demand driver. And the price at the end of the day is just supply and demand. Okay. So um, that's why I don't, I prefer not to think of these blockchains as some valuations as some kind of discounted cash flows. Okay. Um, next one from Mr. Robot. Won't Avalanche experience high inflation in 2023? Okay, there, there are some questions, similar questions about this. Another one from my investing account. Those are undervalued because he, he's talking about the ones that I mentioned that are undervalued according to the model, which is near Ripple XRP 
Avalanche, and what's the other one? Uh, Bitcoin. Okay. And this person is saying because they have high inflation, but that's a, I okay. So you, keep in mind this model is predicting the market cap. Okay, it's not predicting price. So price is 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 a, is a, it's not exactly equal to market cap, right? Market cap is equal to price times quantity times the token supply. So yeah, so you can have higher token supply. Um, it will it will have an impact on price, and I I will talk about that in a minute, right? But this model is modeling market cap, okay? It's not modeling price. So whatever the supply effect, it's already being counted as part of the market cap, okay? Um, next one. Back to fundamentals. Uh, Solana has a high percentage of its transactions as consensus transactions so yeah so the transactions transaction count for Solana is already taken out the um, the transactions that are voting transactions so it so the transactions for transaction counts for Solana in the model is actually the um, the actual utility transactions from from actual users um, okay the next one from crypto money game. XRP has no ecosystem. Tokenomics is only in the hands of dev team. They <laughs> holding XRP have you give you no rights. XRP worthy of zero. <laughs> okay, um, I have no opinion on SRP, X, uh, XRP or Ripple. Okay, so um, <laughs> again, this is the result that I put out is a empirical exercise. It's an empirical data estimate, okay? It's not my own personal opinion. What I can tell you is, if you look at historically, the level of undervaluation or the level of overvaluation has a very strong inverse relationship with the relative performance of the token in the year after. So what so what it means if if today the model is showing if today the model is it, it there the the actual market cap is above the model predicted market cap meaning overvaluation then if you look at it like a year from now very likely the token will underperform the market. <laughs> Okay, relative to underperformed relative to the market, meaning relative to the total crypto market. Okay, so again, this is a historical pattern, and it's a very strong inverse correlation. So you, I, I will, I will link the um, article. You can, you can, you can look at it yourself. Okay, again, this is not my personal opinion. All right. So now I know people would say, okay, like this person. Particularly, he dislikes XRP or Ripple, and in other words, he thinks that quote-unquote undervaluation is totally justified, and it's actually not undervaluation. Again, I don't have an opinion on that, <laughs> okay? Maybe this person, maybe he's right, you know? It, is it possible that he's right? Yes. 
Is it statistically likely? No. <laughs> According to the result, if you look at the historical uh, correlation between overvaluation and the subsequent price performance of the token, okay. So of course you you can you can look at any any one of these tokens and say, oh, this one is price market cap is above prediction predicted market cap. That's because it's getting so much momentum. It's because oh token supply is being burned, or it's because oh it's having so many like a big partnerships with uh, X and Y Z companies. It's gonna bring billions of new users to the platform. Fine, <laughs> there's always a reason for something. Or you may think okay, this current market cap of this token is lower than the predicted value. That's because this platform has shown no traction recently and everybody knows it's going to die. By the way, not everybody, okay? Otherwise the price would be zero today. <laughs> so obviously some people do not have the same opinion as you. <laughs> so, but, but, but you, you know what I'm saying, right? Some people think that undervaluation is because the platform has no value, it's going to die. And overvaluation is because the platform has huge potential. That, but still, you know, it, you cannot argue with the data that there is a inverse correlation, very strong inverse correlation between overvaluation and underperformance and, and performance in the subsequent year. So tokens that are undervalued today perform relatively better in the following year. Token overvalued today will perform relatively worse compared to the total market. Okay. Now, obviously, maybe there is a survivorship bias here because we are talking about like the, these 12 chains. They obviously have already survived at least uh, till today. So we're not taking it. We're not like in the data set. We don't have yet any blockchains that didn't survive. They just go puff, went out of business completely. So is that a possible scenario? Yes, it's possible. Okay. So maybe you're, maybe you can consider, okay, maybe that undervaluation is already taking into account the risk that this platform may go bust. Okay. That is possible, but, um, still you cannot, you know, I, I just want to, again, emphasize this very strong negative correlation between overvaluation and subsequent underperformance. And by the way, if you're thinking, okay, maybe the undervaluation is because investors are pricing in the risk, the higher risk that a platform may go under, then I will argue that you remember at first I, you know, we mentioned there is a third factor that is in impacting the valuation, which is the platform specific markup that is supposed to measure the platform's moat or the perceived risk level, right? So if you look at it, so I posted this chart in the article, you can look at it yourself. The platform that have the highest markup are the, the like the bigger ones, the Bitcoin and Ethereum, okay? Uh, because they are perceived as more why so basically a higher markup meaning at any given adoption level okay this chain a has 
500k users. Chain B has 500k users as well at the same point in time. But Chain A, if it has perceived higher moat, it's, it's more Lindy, <laughs> if you will. But for whatever reason, investors think it's safer, then its valuation will be higher, even given the same adoption level, same usage level. So which chains are those? They will have higher markups. Bitcoin and Ethereum have the highest because those are seen as the safest so far because they have survived the longest and people expect them to be around for a long time. Okay. So, and on the other hand, you look at which ones that has actually like a very low markup, the newer ones like Aptos and Optimism. These are like, relatively new has haven't really had a like a really long track record and who knows what's going to happen to them tomorrow right you can argue um these are already being discounted because of that okay so the model is actually taking into account already that risk factor so what i'm saying is you still there are a few changes still showing as undervaluation and there are a few of chains showing overvaluation, even if you take into account these platform specific markups. So uh, all in all, I encourage you to look at this, um, to look at this uh, article yourself and uh, you can think for yourself, okay? Um, and the last question, W1s and Sama. The price already reflects how people currently value the assets. Basically, all undervalued coins that you listed are shit. And imagine saying Ripple is undervalued. <laughs> Somehow, just like uh, people really dislike XRP. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> again, uh, I'm glad that uh, people have different opinions in the market. That makes the market, right? Otherwise, uh, price... Oh, if if everybody all has the same opinion, price will go to infinity or go to zero all at once, <laughs> immediately. <laughs> so, um, but in any case, this is uh, this is something that I already talked about so far, right? How these uh, undervaluation and un overvaluation actually calculated and what they actually reflect. Okay, so that's that. Next, let's talk about token supply. So basically, um, I put out another article also recently, like a, um, a couple of weeks ago. So I looked at over like uh, the past three years for, since 2020, I looked at like the top 1000 market cap tokens and how much their supply has changed and how much their price has changed. So I look at this on a year, like annual basis. So it's it's very, very simple exercise. It's just look at how much this token has supply increased in 2021, 2022, and how much price has changed in the same time, at the same time, right? And, uh, you know, very intuitively, as you can imagine, there is a negative correlation between the two. So if the token price, if the token supply increased, it has a down, it puts a downward pressure on price, right? That's not that interesting. You probably imagine that. 
Um, what is what is interesting to me though is that it actually the impact on price is not one to one. Okay, so that means if the for example if the token supply increased thirty percent, its price impact is like fifteen percent. It, it you only see like on average fifteen percent price drop. Because uh, so because that's that's the basically the basic result is that you know ten percent token token supply change leads to a five percent price change. This is quite interesting, <laughs> at least to me. All right, why is it interesting? Because the token supply change has nothing to do with the chain's fundamentals, right? So it's just you know it's if Ethereum. Today it has a hundred million tokens. Tomorrow it becomes two hundred million tokens. It's still the same platform, right? Still same bunch of people using it. It has just still same amount of traction. But the model is saying if the tomorrow the token supply doubles, price drop will only be like half of that. So in other words, it will actually lead to a increase of the total market cap of that token. So. I find that really interesting. Um, there is actually there is a um, similar phenomenon in the stock market, which is the effect of stock split, right? So if a stock splits its stock into, you know, if you like, um, sometimes people like uh, when companies uh, when they're um, usually it's like when uh, stock price gets to a higher range, then the company split their stocks. So. Uh, uh, yesterday you 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 own one stock and today you own two because it, it has uh, that uh, because the company did a one for two split so that kind of thing it actually a lot of times it has a similar effect as the one that I just mentioned if you split split the stock of you know from one to two it actually lead to a market uh, market cap increase of that um, of that stock, so in other words, you you would think that if if one stock today becomes two tomorrow, the price should be cut by half, right? But the price will be cut, but it's actually less than half. So why is that? <laughs> so a lot of people say, okay, the, there may be a liquidity effect because if something is lower priced. It you know like kind of entry barrier of buying that is lower so to speak, though you can argue well why is that because it's not like you can only buy a whole token right you can buy zero point five if you if you cannot afford one bitcoin you can afford zero point zero 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 one so you you can just buy however many you have you can afford right. But in fact, that is actually not true because it's, I don't know, it's just a weird psychological effect that people, it's like lower priced tokens or stocks, they're just more popular. Like people think they're more affordable. So people are more willing to buy those compared to higher priced stocks or higher priced tokens. In the stock market, you look at it, it's the same thing. Higher priced stocks tend to have lower trading volume and lower. Uh, liquidity. It's not always true, but it it's a, it's a it's a tendency. Okay, um, so you can say, yeah. So because uh, you know when you lower the price, when you increase supply, you lower the price, and that leads to more buyers, more potential interest, 
and that increases the liquidity of the market. So it kind of gives there is an additional liquidity premium to the price. Okay, so that that could be one reason. I don't think that's the entire reason. Where does the rest of this come from? I seriously don't know, <laughs> but that's what the data shows. Okay, so, um, so 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 basically that is the effect. And then still it depends on, so that is the general effect, but it depends on what situations we're talking about. For example, if we're talking about a supply reduction, it has actually a stronger effect. So um, let's say if, if a 10% token supply increase will lead to 5% price drop. Token supply, but a token supply dropping by 10%, will actually lead to more than 5% price increase. So that to so, so supply reduction is actually stronger, stronger impact on price. Okay. Um, and, and, and also the supply has more impact on price in bear market because, you know, I think this is quite intuitive because the underlying liquidity in bear market is already lower and investor base is already more risk averse and the underlying demand condition is already worse compared to the bull market, right? So all of those has a impact on, you know, the, de the degree of effect of token supply on price. Um, and then um, one thing is also quite interesting is that it, the effect is the same. So the relationship between supply change and price, it's the same whether this token has a max supply cap or not. In other words, whether that token has announced, okay, we're going to have 100 million tokens from now till eternity, whether it's that or, or whether it's a, like a utility token with supplies, you know, increases over time as, as the platform grows, it does not matter the, I, 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 you know, I know this will surprise some people because the typical Crypto investors love a fixed supply cap uh, <laughs> because that means somehow they're not being diluted. That's that's the way people think about it. But if you actually look at the data, you know, but but that does not mean in the short term. Um, when you when you have a max cap, we're talking about like at the end of time cap, right? But it does not mean that in the short term the supply cannot increase or decrease, right? So in the short term, you still have a disbursement schedule of that whatever token that is, and uh, you can still increase the supply. And that has the same effect, whether that token has a max supply cap or not. So I find that very interesting. So this, mechan this mechanism is the same, regardless of, of, uh, of the supply cap. And I'm, I'm actually going to write more about this later because um, I'm, I'm, I'm working on something uh, to look at, uh, um, you know, this, uh, um, the, the impact of uh, having this max supply cap on tokenomics because I actually don't think it's a good idea for most of the uh, smart contract blockchains or, or um, Web3 platform, unless you want to be a digital gold like Bitcoin. If you have a utility token, if you have any kind of platform network, in fact, that's actually growing, your user base is, 
you know, in the foreseeable future is going to continue to grow. To fix supply cap is not a good idea, and I, I will I will um, say more about that um, in in maybe the next episode. Okay, maybe in the next article. <laughs> okay, so um, that is that, and let's look at some questions. Uh, first question from Look First. This does not factor in millions of tokens that cannot be retrieved because private keys lost forever. So the to- so he's talking about like the supply token supply is not a good measure. The- but unless you think the supply key lost factor, like a private key lost, it- basically tokens cannot be retrieved. Unless you think this is kind of a ongoing systemic factor <laughs> that is uh, going to affect the supply on an ongoing basis, not just a one-off thing, okay? Unless you think that's going to have an ongoing change, it's going to have an impact on an ongoing impact on token supply. Otherwise, it's not going to be something that has a systemic effect on the model. Next question from Jay. NFTs uh, have the same price mechanisms uh, regarding token supply versus price. I would not be surprised if that has the same mechanism because like I said, you can see the same similar phenomena in stocks as well. I'm sure in other assets, you can probably see something similar. Okay. In, in other things that are relatively liquid. In, in NFTs, I think it's harder to measure because it's less liquid. And also, um, a NFT project usually has, usually, you know, most of these NFT projects, they have one-time minting and that's it, right? Um, so it would be pretty hard to collect data on that. but. I would not be surprised if there is a similar kind of mechanism going on. Okay, next question from Decrypt Sim. At this point, no one cares. Crypto is over 14 years of cheap liquidity gone, as is crypto. <laughs> this is not like past bear markets. Policies have fundamentally changed. They will affect the decade, effect, decade ahead of how assets are priced. Okay, fine. Um, you know, if, if, if really no one cares again, if really indeed no one cares, every token price will go to zero now, right now. Okay. (laughs) The fact that they are not means somebody cares. Maybe not you. All right. Obviously not you because you're saying you don't care. (laughs) Uh, oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, uh, is the policy change pretty fundamental? Probably gonna be for a while. Okay, is the cheap liquidity gone? Yeah, pro. Yes, gonna be for a while. Um, is it gonna be forever? I don't think so. And uh, is is this? Uh, you know, I I don't want to go too much into this because we're not talking. This is not an episode about macro conditions right now. Okay, but the but the nutshell is, um. In the short term, 
is is crypto prices hugely hugely affected by uh, Fed policies and monetary policy conditions? Yes, obviously. I and I've talked about this uh, many many times. However, it's still we are only at a the very beginning. We're talking about like eight hundred million market cap of entire tokenization tokenized asset universe for for the fungible tokens. Okay. Um, it's really, really very, very small. We are at the beginning of what I consider a huge revolution that is called tokenization that is going to change a lot of business models in the world. It's going to change how the you know businesses make money and how people make money. And it's going to change the shareholder and company relationships. Uh, <laughs> it's going to change value distributions in society and how uh, company revenues and the profits being distributed, a bunch of things, and so on and so forth. All of these are fundamental, you know, titanic shifts that's going to take a long time to play out. And that cycle, what I consider is more like a decade long cycle. We're talking about 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Okay. Uh, the monetary policy cycle is 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 relatively is, is much shorter than that so yeah in the short term it's going to affect things for sure is does that mean crypto is dead no not at all okay. um next question from of, of but of course if you think crypto is dead it's uh totally i respect your view right it's uh, your money you put wherever uh Wherever you 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 want to put it, that's your freedom. It's a free world. <laughs> you can do anything you want. Um, next question from uh, Ignas. I wonder if this research takes into account V tokenomics in V token model. Token supply increase is given as a reward to LPs. Um. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I mean in the article that I mentioned, so. It, the V tokenomics, or it's it's just a way. It's just like one of the ways that a project encourage people to hold tokens, right? So you like a proof of stake blockchains have staking. That's another like uh, you can think of a mechanism for people. Uh, it's it's not a whole purpose for have staking, but it's like at least indirect purpose and what it accomplishes is like encourage people to hold tokens by receiving um, rewards right so it's like an interest payment if you will um i already mentioned in the article you know it's actually if if projects for from a project point of view if you think about um if if you know this relationship generally holds two two meaning if you increase ten percent of your token supply, price will absorb that will, if, if the, the price impact will be half of it. So that means you you can have you can use that token supply you can continue emitting tokens, provided that you have a healthy growing platform. Okay. I'm ta not talking about the Venezuela or Argentina scenario where you just, you know, print money to oblivion. All right. What I'm talking about you is that you can increase strategically increase your token supply as a way to provide in incentives to you new users to attract new users to to the platform by giving 
by giving incentives, right? That's what platforms do, um, many, many of them. Um, but on, on, on the other hand, you don't have to have, you don't have to at least uh, outrightly hurt your existing token holders um, by doing that, because you could increase token supply by 10% and give that give 5% to your existing token holders, whether it's like a V token model or staking model or whatever, you know, basically require people to require, like give long-term holders, people essentially believe in your projects, a reward. So give people, if you increase token supply, half of it, give it to your existing stakeholders and half of it use as an incentive to encourage new people to use your platform. So in that way, your existing holders, they're not made worse, so to speak. At least uh, that impact is kind of uh, mitigated to a large extent, right? So, um, so, 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 yeah. Uh, I wonder, next question from Adam P. I wonder if we split, we can split into various categories Lending versus vaults versus uh, da, 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 da. yeah we you could but I mean I we only have like we're talking about like a top one thousand token with uh, market cap top one thousand tokens and um, actually it's not one thousand it's only like seven hundred or something because some tokens are too new they don't have entire history of uh, three years uh, you could but you know we have uh, kind of limited data on that. Um, Abhishek uh, asks, I wonder how the supply shrinkage affects price in bull versus bear market. Um, I didn't look at that, look at that, but I, my guess is that supply shrinkage will have less of an effect in bear market in boosting token price for the same reason that we just talked about, because liquidity is lower, demand, fundamental demand factor is lower and everything is lower, <laughs> okay? I, I My guess is it will have less of an effect, but I didn't look at it. Um, and also, you know, the, the, the kind of a supply shrinkage effect is harder to look at it because the sample size is much smaller because mo most of the tokens have increasing supply not decreasing supply, okay? So it's a very small pool of tokens that has decreased the supply. So that um, estimate result will be less reliable, all right, because of small samples. All right, uh, that's all for today. I will talk to you next time.